What's up, everybody? My name is Shane Kohler, and this is The Conscious Love Show. Thanks so much for joining me here, where each week I'm sharing true-to-life insights and experiences from my journey and how I've created the loving and committed partnership I have today. I answer your questions and have live discussions with you so I can support you in your specific situation. And I bring in experts and people who know their stuff so we can all learn from their perspectives. Thanks again for checking out the show. Please subscribe on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on the most. And I would love it so much if you'd leave a review and tell people what you think of us. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at The Living Relationship to connect more closely. And I'm grateful to be supporting you on your journey to love. Okay, and welcome everybody. Welcome. This is episode five of the Conscious Love Show. And today uh, I'm going to talk about the development of trust. The development of trust and the, the process of coming into trusting as a prerequisite for love. So let me, let me just start by saying that it's, you know, a lot of us have it like we're going to go out, we're going to find love. We're going to find our person. We're going to find the relationship that we want to have. We're going to go out, we're going to find it. And then once we find it, then we're going to feel trust or we're going to feel a sense of peace or a sense of contentment or a sense of ease or a sense of being at home or a sense of being safe. And a lot of us are really holding on in life to a lot of things to control and to I'll talk about today some of the different things we're holding on to that it, it actually creates a barrier to trust. But a lot of us, a lot of us have it like we're going to go out, we're going to find the relationship, we're going to find the thing, we're going to find the love. And then once we have it, then we're going to feel the way we want to feel. We're going to feel trust. We're going to feel peace. We're going to feel safe. We're going to feel at home. And that is... That never works. And if you're familiar with me and you, you listen to this and you know what I talk about, then you know how I talk about those kinds of approaches never really work. But what I want to talk about really is, is trust and what the experience of trust is and how we prevent ourselves from trusting really. The barriers that we put in place to prevent ourselves from allowing trust to be experienced and then how that just disconnects us. It creates a, it creates a worldview and an emotional state state in which authentic connection is impossible. A lot of us are very suspicious and we have very good reason to be suspicious because we've been through a lot. We've been through a lot of trauma. You know, a lot of us couldn't even necessarily trust our parents, couldn't even trust um, other, you know, people that we should have been able to trust, teachers or authority figures or, you know, people in our life that we should have been able to trust even as children, they betrayed our trust or they proved themselves to be untrustworthy. And a lot of us have put our trust in partners or put our trust in, you know, people who said they loved us and said they would never leave us. And then they did. And then they cheated on us with our best friend or, or whatever might've happened. So all these different experiences happen. And so we're suspicious and we have good reason to be suspicious, or maybe good reason may not be the way to put it, but we have valid reason to be suspicious, right? We have understandable reason to be suspicious, but at the end of the day, suspiciousness, lack of trust, doubting our doubting ourselves, doubting life, doubting other people, doubting the universe, like that that creates a, a mindset and an emotional state in which authentic love and connection is pretty much impossible. Right? You can't really make an authentic connection from a state of suspiciousness 
from a state of, I have my guard up because I think you might hurt me. And so when we want lifelong partnership, when we want intimacy, when we want really deep connection, when we want to, you know, have that deep, loving, intimate partnership, it becomes really important for us to start to understand how can I begin to trust? And we were just talking about this in the Inspired Love program a couple of weeks ago. We, we actually had a session, um, one of the sessions we talk about the development of trust and the different stages of the process and some of the, you know, challenges we face and different things as we, as we develop our trust. But the question was brought up and I wanted to bring this up today is, you know, somebody asked, well, what are we really trusting, right? What are we, what are we trusting when you talk about developing trust or learning how to trust in order to to be able to invite love into our lives? What is it that we're really trusting? So I wanted to begin by speaking into that. And I'll I'll share the same answer I shared in the program is what you're trusting might vary a little bit on the surface. You know, if you're a Christian, you might frame it in a certain way. If you're a Buddhist, you might frame it in a certain way. If you're a Hindu or if you're, you know, an eclectic spiritualist, it's kind of what I am, right? So if you're, you know, depending on your spiritual views, depending on your understanding of life, depending on what you believe life is, what you believe you are, what you believe God is, what you believe the universe is, and on and on and on and on, how you frame trust for yourself might vary a little bit. But at the core, and this is what I want to say, on the surface, you know, the symbols, the storylines, the, the, you know, frameworks in which we make sense of these things differ on the surface. But at the core, what we're really talking about is what we are. What we're talking about is what we're made of. If you want to call it God, you can call it that. If you want to call it the universal essence or the great spirit or whatever, you can call it that. But what what we're talking about is, is the thing that created us, the thing that we come from and the thing that we return to and understanding that our mortal lives, our human lives are, are a stage in a much greater journey, in a much larger journey. And so we're learning to trust this journey. You could call it the journey of our soul or the journey of our consciousness or the journey of our spirit. But it's, it's the, it's trusting in what we are. You know, part of this would be trusting in, say, the law of attraction, right? Your ability to draw to you the things that are right for you, that are going to bring to you the the greatest opportunities to learn, the greatest opportunities to grow, the greatest opportunities to expand, right? So that could be a part of it is, is trusting in your ability to attract and create yourself, your ability to manifest the, the right things for you at the right time in your life. So that would be a part of it. But what we're really trusting in, is we're trusting in an underlying essence of life. We're trusting that there is something bigger happening here than 7 billion of us just being dropped off, 8 billion of us now being dropped off on a rock floating in the middle of space and just left to fend for ourselves. We're trusting that there is a greater design to all of this than that. We're trusting that there is something more at play here that there is something more to who I am than just some little thing that exists somewhere in space 
for a blip of time and then fades into non-existence forever. Trusting that there is more to me than that. Trusting that there is more to life than that. Trusting that there is more to God than that. Trusting that there is, that this all has greater meaning than that. And when we can trust that in whatever way we frame that for ourselves, again, it doesn't matter if you're Christian or Buddhist or Muslim or whatever, you know, every, every spiritual tradition has, has a framework in which we can understand that, that I was pointing to right now. Every, every spiritual tradition has some kind of way of making sense of what I was just talking about there, right? So it doesn't matter what tradition you follow. Anyone would be fine. Whatever resonates deeply for you, whatever speaks to you on a heart level, right, is fine. Even if you don't have a tradition, even if you just have your own relationship with that which which is God or which is the universe or, you know, that which is what we are, what we come from. If you, however you contextualize that for yourself is fine. But the, the point is, is that you have a reliance on that. And as you contextualize your life, and specifically what we're talking about here is love, creating love, manifesting love, contextualizing your love life. So as you contextualize your love life, you can find deeper meaning in all of it than just a bunch of random occurrences that are futilely leading you nowhere towards nothing and it all feels really hopeless and really bleak. That's what you're trusting in. That's what you're trusting in. So from that perspective, from that perspective, and if we can, if we can start to, if you imagine like standing inside of trust, if I could stand inside of trust and then look out at my life from inside of trust and how would my whole life look standing inside of trust, right? And the, the people and the experiences and, and the way everything takes shape and takes form and the way I feel about all of it, it might all look very different from that perspective. Now, I, I want to say here, this is something that's really interesting. And it, it's, it's, it's a way that we have trust very backwards. So I want to speak into this because some of you are hearing this right now. And some of you are hearing me say that, okay, you should just trust everything. So if somebody is abusing you, well, you should just trust that. Or if somebody is treating you poorly, well, you should just trust that. It's a part of the journey that you should offer no resistance, that you should just be okay with everything all the time. And that is actually not what trust looks like. And so what I want to point out here is how much of a misunderstanding we actually have about what trust is when we think about it. Like that if I was trusting, I would just be a doormat. That if I was trusting, I would just let people walk all over me. That if I was trusting, I would have no say in my life or I would have no power or I would have no voice. And the thing is, is a lot of us need to start trusting ourselves enough to use our voice. A lot of us need to start trusting ourselves enough to create the boundaries that we haven't been willing to create. A lot of us need to start trusting ourselves enough to cut the things out of our lives that are not serving us and we're not trusting that enough. And we're hanging on to things that are hurting us because we don't have enough trust to let them go. And so when I talk about trust here, some of you might've been hearing this as though I was talking about being a doormat, like you have no resistance, like you have nothing, you know, no say about your own life. It's actually the opposite. 
When we develop a strong amount of trust in ourselves, we start to become very empowered in our lives. Because I want to talk about one of the really common ways this shows up. One of the most common ways this experience of lack of trust is going to show up is it's going to show up as, and let me just say specifically in, as it pertains to love, okay? In, in different areas of life, it could show up in a lot of different ways. But specifically as it pertains to love, it's going to show up to me clinging to relationships, clinging to other people that are not serving my highest good, that are not making me a better person, that are not helping me grow, that are not helping me learn lessons. Like, let me put it this way. My biggest lesson with this person would be to leave, right? A lot of us are clinging on to relationships that we are suffering in, saying, oh, I'm really doing good work here. I'm really, I'm really learning my lesson here. I'm really doing the good work. And for some of us, our greatest lesson would be to leave. Our greatest lesson would be to understand that I am okay without this person, that I can let this person go, that I live in an abundant universe, that love is not scarce in this universe, that actually at the core, every single human being on the planet wants love. And yes, some people are going about it in very twisted ways. Some people are going about it in ways that are not allowing them to actually find it. But if I could understand that I live in a universe where love is the foundation of everything. Love is incredibly abundant and I don't need to cling to anyone or anything for love. That I can surrender, I can just surrender to life, to love, to all of it and trust life and trust love to bring me everything that is meant for me. And that when I cling to things along the way, when I meet somebody and I think they're really sexy and I think they're really amazing or they're so smart or they have such a great personality or they're so cool or whatever, whatever attribute I ascribe to them that makes them seem to me to be one of a kind, like there's nobody else out there that could ever match them. Whatever, whatever game I'm playing in my mind, if I could really understand that losing that person costs me nothing if that person is not adding to my life in very, very powerful ways, right? If, that, if all that person causes me is anxiety, if all that person causes me is me wondering where I stand with them, is me wondering when they're going to call, is me wondering if I even matter to them, is me wondering if they're seeing someone else. If I could just understand in a deep and fundamental way that cutting that energy out of my life costs me nothing, that cutting that energy out of my life is only a benefit. It only helps me move forward. And if I could start to develop the confidence to when I see that energy in my life, I'm able to cut it out without fear, without regret, without going, oh my God, did I make a big mistake, right? I'm able to just let that go and understand that I live in a universe that is going to bring me more of what is right for me every time and that the more confidence I can develop and and and, and standing in that confidently and, and being certain about that, 
it actually doesn't even cost me a heartbreak because my confidence about that is so strong, is so great. I can do it with the certainty that the only thing that is coming to me is something that is better. And I understand what I'm talking about right now is something that a lot of people have not experienced. So it may seem foreign. It may seem like an impossible place to be. It may seem like an impossible stance to take, but this is the development of trust, right? So, and and I want to say, I I said, I'm not getting on here today to talk about trust. I'm getting on here today to talk about the development of trust, to talk about this muscle that we build of learning to trust in life, of learning to trust in ourselves, of learning to trust that when I recognize something that I don't want and I let that go, that the only thing I do in reality is open up a space for more of what I do want to come to me. Like I, I wanna I want I wanna make it clear right now that I'm talking about a mechanic of the universe. I'm talking about the way it works in the universe. And a lot of you might hear this and you might say, well, that sounds like a really nice idea. And I want to say, I said this for years and I tried to believe this for years before I actually would say that I I got to a place where I really did believe it and could stake my life on it. But it's, it's really understanding that the way the universe works is that when I identify something I don't want, something that doesn't add to my life, something that doesn't fulfill me, something that doesn't enrich me. And I let that thing go. I let that thing go out of my life. The only thing I am doing in reality is opening up a space for more of what I do want to come into my life. And the only reason that I don't experience more of what I do want coming into my life more rapidly is because I cling to things that don't need to be there. And that lowers my vibration. That lowers my energetic state. That lowers my emotional state. That lowers my belief in myself. That lowers my belief in life. That lowers my belief in what is possible or what could be possible. And we do this in a lot of ways, right? So I mentioned just the experience of clinging to a person. And that was one example I was using. That was one example that I was talking about is, is clinging to a person. But let's, let's talk about some other examples. Like what about the bad habits that we cling to? What about the hours we spend scrolling on social media when we could get up and go for a walk or we could get up and go take a bath? or do some kind of self-care practice, some kind of self-love practice. What about the, like, what are all the bad habits? What about the bad food habits? What about all the things that we say we're going to do, but we don't do? What about all, like, what about all the comparing ourselves to other people that we do? And all the time that we sit around going, if I could only be this, or if I could only be that, what about all the time we spend 
critiquing ourselves in the mirror saying, if I could just look this way or be this way. And all of that, all of it, all of it, a hundred percent of it are just the little examples of the ways that we are not trusting life, that we're relying on our ego to overcompensate for all of the lacks that it perceives in us. And if we were to just cut all that shit out, that we would just live life and we would live it freely and we would live it in a vibrational state in which we invited all the good things to come to us. And so the development of trust, what I'm talking about right now is this process that we all have to undergo. You'll, if you don't do it in this lifetime, you'll do it in the next, right? But this is an essential process of spiritual evolution. And, and I truly believe it's an essential part of inviting love into our lives in a real meaningful way is we have to develop trust at a very deep level. And so this, this process of developing trust is really just simply this. It is simply us being willing to let go of everything we don't want and keep what we do. But the trick here is, because that sounds so simple and a lot of you say, well, I've been doing that my whole life. I've been trying to get rid of everything I don't want and keep what I do. Well, the thing is, is it's not, it's not based on what the ego wants and doesn't want. It's not based on what the ego wants and doesn't want. The selection is made by the higher self. The selection is made by the higher mind. It's made by the wisest part of who we are. And so, yeah, it's a sorting out of what we do want and what we don't want. But the ego is not allowed to do the sorting. The higher mind has to do the sorting. And so what happens is the higher mind is saying, let go, let go, let go. You don't need this. It's not serving you. You'll be okay without this. I promise you, if you just let go of this crutch that you're hanging on to, that everything will be okay and that you are enough, that you are enough, that you are enough without it, that you are okay without it, that you don't need it, that you, that the God stuff that you're made of is enough. That if you let this go, you will draw into your life everything that is right for you. And the ego is in resistance to that. And the ego is saying, no, 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 I need this. I need this. I need this. I need to obsess about this. I need to think about this. I need to control this. I need to manipulate this. I need to get this person to like me. I need to get their attention. I need them to text me. I need to send this text message. I want to share... A, uh, I want to share a really great example of, of a way this showed up in the Inspired Love program with one of the students. And, you know, someone was sharing how they were using the dating apps and, and they were on them and, you know, it was just, it was making them feel so horrible about themselves every time they would get on there and they would, you know, like they would talk to people for weeks and it would go nowhere and... And, you know, they would, you know, think that they, something was going somewhere and they would get ghosted and just, and it was exhausting and it would take up so much time and so much energy and just using these dating apps were, was just so exhausting for this person. And, and, and so what I, what I said to her is I said, well, why don't you just stop using them? <laughs> like, just stop using them. That's all you got to do. Just stop using them and start trying to go out in other ways. And start trying to meet people in other ways. And, and you know, just like, and just do that. Like, that's that's all. Just do that, right? Like, very simple. It, going back to something I said earlier, just let go of what you don't want and do more of what you do want, right? 
And this person really struggled with that suggestion. Why? Because her trust was not developed to a place where she thought that it would be okay to let go of this crutch of the dating apps, where she believed that the universe was abundant enough that if she never opened another dating app, that the universe would still somehow, some way, bring to her the things that are right for her, the people that are right for her, the places that are right for her, right? That, that she could not manifest that, that, that her being was not enough to manifest that without hanging on to this crutch of using these dating apps. And that's a perfect example of what I'm talking about right now. And, and so I would, I would challenge everybody who's listening to this to ask yourself and to question yourself, where in your life are you hanging on to something that brings you no joy, that brings you no excitement, that brings you no fulfillment, that brings you no happiness, that brings you no peace, that does not make you feel good about yourself, that is not helping you have new empowered insights about yourself, that is not leading you towards bigger and better experiences in your life. Where are you hanging on to something like that because you don't believe that things would be okay if you just let it go? And if you can honestly ask those questions and honestly Without, without your survival stuff coming into play or your ego stuff coming into play or your defenses coming into play. Well, no, 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 I can't do that because blah, 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 blah. Your story coming into play of all the, all the justifications and all the reasons you've told yourself for all the years, right? Like if you have something you're hanging on to, you probably intuitively know you don't need it on some level. And so you've been really building a case about it, why you need to hang on to that thing, Right? So, so you got to be willing to just put that aside and have an open exploration of what if I let it go? You know, like I'll just, I've, I've coached people. I've done a lot of career coaching in the past. I don't really do a lot of that anymore, but, but you know, like just a great example, like something we actually talk about in the inspired love program is passion and that it's like so important to live your passion. And often people will be clinging to I'll just share an experience of someone I was coaching once clinging to a job that was a toxic situation that, you know, it it like it depleted her. It it just, it it like literally destroyed her life. Like she, in, in a lot of ways, she could not even function outside of her work in any meaningful way because her work was such a damaging environment for her. And, you know, the way I coached her was, I, I just simply said, just write a resume, just write a resume. And just like, all I want, you don't even have to send it out. Like all I want you to do is just simply take the time to acknowledge your skills and your usefulness to in the workplace on paper, right? And I want you to write it all out. Once you're done, you can decide if you want to send it out or not. But all I want you to do is just write out a really compelling resume just so you can see for yourself how useful you are in the workplace. And it was such a struggle to even take that step because 
her her lack of trust was that strong, right? Like to even to even just consider that I would be useful outside of this environment, that somebody would want me outside of this environment, that I could be productive outside of this environment, that I could succeed outside of this environment, to even sit down and consider that created so much anxiety inside of her that it was just so difficult for her to even take that step. And you might think I'm talking about some random person in a random situation, but I'm not. I'm talking about all of us right now. I'm talking about all of us. So what are the things that we're hanging on to that we could just let go of, that we could just be free of, that we could just trust in the universe and in life and in ourselves that we are enough right? What relationship are you in right now? Or what relationship are you holding on to the hope of right now? Even though all the signs are there that there's no hope, even though all the signs are there that this person is not going to be the person you want them to be. And what is the, what is the gap between where you are right now and the place where you trust that if you just let it go, everything would be okay. That if you just let that go, that somebody more right for you would come into your life. And, you know, I want to say when I coach people, we talk about this in the Inspired Love program. And when I work with someone in private coaching, we literally just walk this path together. But what what dating really is from a place of trust. And so I want to say that Okay, before I, yeah, let me just say this. Is the development of trust is about taking the steps you can take, right? So in the example of the woman I was sharing about earlier, I said, just write a resume, right? If that's, if that's the step you can take, just write a resume. Just put it on paper, right? So, so the development of trust is about taking the steps you can take And in taking the step you can take, you feel a little bit more trust. And when you feel a little bit more trust, you can take another step. And when you take that next step, you feel a little bit more trust. And as you take each step, you trust a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And with each step that you take and each level of trust that you develop, that becomes greater and greater and greater for you. You start to be able to take major leaps and you start to just say, you know what, what if I did just leave that relationship? You know, we've been together 12 years, but you know what, fuck it. It adds nothing to my life and and I've got nothing to lose. And you could just start taking major leaps. And then when you take a major leap like that, right? I left the person that I was with for 12 years. Well, if you could take that leap and then feel confident after that, that does a lot for the development of trust. Because now you start to realize, wow, a 12-year relationship, and I let that go, and I was actually better a month later. Wow, that is really something. So if if that could happen with a 12-year relationship, well, There's really no fear in letting go of a 12-month relationship or a 12-week relationship. And your trust starts to become so strong. 
and you just start to realize that I can be confident no matter what. I can feel good about myself no matter what. I can love myself no matter what. I can feel worthy no matter what. And so your trust just starts to become like this really strong muscle that you work out. And you start to think like, man, I stayed in that relationship 12 years, but you know what? I could have left it after three years. And if I had done that, that would have been nine years on my life I got back. And so you start to feel this urgency of like, man, like I am never going to make that mistake again. Like I am not going to lose another nine years of my life ever again. Because you start to feel on a deep level that what is most important is your life and your energy and your time, not any one relationship in particular, right? What matters most is my life, my time. I only have a very short amount of it. It is, it is the most valuable commodity in the universe. And so relationships are only valuable in my life to the degree that they add to my time, to the degree that they enrich my time. And if they are not enriching my time, then, then, then I, I've got to let them go because they are not, because they are not adding to me. They are not adding to my spirit. They are not making me more. And the development of trust is about trusting that it's okay to do that. Is about trusting that it is okay to do that. That you will be okay, that everything will be okay if you do that. And that's the journey. That's the journey. And so that's what I was going to say. And I'll, I'll end with this and then I'm going to open up for some questions. So if some of you want to start dropping some questions in the chat, um, I'm going to go through in a few minutes and start taking them. So uh, if you want to get them ready for me. Um, what dating looks like from this trusting perspective. And this is what I was saying earlier is, you know, in the Inspired Love program, we talk about this, we, we outline this. And then in, in private coaching, we actually walk this together step by step. But what what dating looks like from a trusting perspective is that I, I do everything I can to create meaningful connections with people, deep heartfelt connections with people. I do everything I can to create deep heartfelt connections with people. And then, and then when I have a heartfelt connection with someone, I maintain my emotional power Right? So I don't, I don't just give myself over to this relationship. I maintain my emotional center while, while engaging fully, while giving it my best. And I, I, I determine the real true potential that I have with this person to create the long-term relationship, the long-term kind of commitment that I'm looking to create. Right? So I determine... I, what honest potential I have with this person. At the point when I realize there is not potential for what I'm looking for, that we, that this person and I just can't really go there together for whatever reason, and there are different reasons, where that's not really today's topic, I let it go. Okay, so I let it go. When I determine 
that the compatibility is not there, I let it go. And then I start again. Doing all of this with the perfect trust that letting go what's not meant for me costs me nothing. So I am open to invite in the next relationship. And I want to share a quick story. I had a really powerful experience of this. I, I ended up breaking it off with a woman that, as far as I could tell, using all of my intelligence at the time was a really good fit for me. Now, in retrospect, I can understand from my perspective now why it wasn't the right thing. But at the time, I was like, man, this is a great, like, like as far as I can tell, this is a great fit. But for months, I had this nagging feeling that I just had to end this, that this just was not the thing for me. And I couldn't really understand why. And so I... I eventually just it like it like it got to the point where staying in the relationship was more painful than leaving it and I had to let it go. And when I when I ended that, I remember I, I remember the night I left her house. It was late. It was probably midnight after we talked for hours and I finally left. And I I walked outside and she had a lake in the back of her neighborhood. And I just remember I I went for a walk around this lake and it was dark and the moon was shining. And, and I just remember like being kind of bewildered, like what the hell is going on in my life right now? Like, like I just ended it with a, somebody that I thought we had a really good relationship and, you know, like, and there were problems. Like, let me say that there were problems, but I, like, I didn't think it was worth ending it over. And I just, I didn't really understand what that was all about. And I remember I just, while I was walking around that lake, I just like, I cried it out. I just I, like whatever I was holding on to, I just cried it out while I was walking around the lake. And by the time I was done walking around that lake and I was walking back to my car, I just felt completely clear, completely confident, like absolute trust that this was the right thing and that I was I was only moving towards something that was better for me. And that was like it was an experience that did not make sense to my logical mind. But on a spiritual level, I was just following what I knew was right for me. And, you know, like it's, it's one thing to leave a relationship that is quote, like a bad relationship or is not what I want. Right. And, and that was a lesson I had to learn several times too. And that, that was kind of the first stage of my growth, I think, was getting comfortable doing that. Then I think the second stage of my growth was being willing to let go of a good but comfortable relationship that wasn't really fulfilling me. You know, something that's interesting is like when I look back on that relationship that I thought was really good, but I just wasn't fulfilled in it. Well, you know, there were a lot of things about that relationship that were more comfortable than my marriage to my wife has been, interestingly enough. But... I wasn't challenged in that relationship and I wasn't growing in that relationship. And so there were maybe some things that were, was like, Oh, more the way I wanted it. Right. Like in my ego, but that relationship wasn't calling me into anything greater. And that's something that I couldn't understand 
from that place and time in my life. From my perspective at that time, I just couldn't really understand that. But looking back, I can understand that, oh, well, that's why I wasn't fulfilled. Yes, it was comfortable. Yes, I got a lot of the things the way I wanted them, but it wasn't calling me into anything greater. And that's what I needed in my heart and my soul. That's just a little side story about that. But, you know, going back to the point is that trust is to find love, we have to trust and we have to develop that muscle. Because if you don't trust, you just won't be able to do the things you need to do to get to the the person that you're meant to be with or the relationship that you're meant to co-create with someone. You just won't be able to do the things you need to do to become the person to, to be ready for that relationship. And so trust, as I said, is this threshold to love. It's this gateway. It's this, this development of trust, as I've been speaking about. This willingness to keep what is right for me, let go of everything that is not right for me, and to allow my higher mind to do the sorting out, not my ego. Um, I'm going to leave it at that. I'm going to leave it at that, yeah. So I'm going to take some questions now. Uh, by the way, I just want to say thank you to those of you who are joining me live today on Instagram. We record the podcast live every Tuesday on Instagram. Okay, um, KFM444 said, can you say all of that again? I will just quickly repeat what I said about about dating from a trusting place. So dating from a trusting place is doing everything you can to create meaningful connections with people. Okay, so you follow your passion, you go to the right places, you go to places that bring out your best, you go to places where you're likely to meet the people that you resonate with, you you get engaged in those environments, you get engaged in those communities, you build relationships, you form bonds, you take risks, you put yourself out there, you open the door with people, you have conversations, all those kinds of things, right? So you do everything you can to create a meaningful connection with someone. When you find a meaningful connection, you explore it for real potential. When you determine there is not real potential, you let it go with the full trust, the full confidence that it is only creating space for something that is more right for you to come in. Okay, so that is dating from a trusting place and that's you know what I do with clients basically is we work on that. We develop the, the emotional skills and the, relata- the relatability skills and, and all of that to be able to do what I just said in a powerful way. So thank you for the question, Kim. Um, how do you maintain emotional power whilst making a relationship work? Okay, this is an excellent question. And I, I, I love this question. Actually, this is one of the questions that I love to answer. So how do you maintain emotional power whilst making a relationship work? Because as you all know, and, and I want to say it's not really any different in dating than it is in a relationship. I think the skills are the same. And this is something that it was kind of an epiphany for me when I realized that, oh, like all the skills that you need in dating are the same skills that you need in a relationship. The only real difference is that on a relationship, the level of intimacy and vulnerability is so much deeper that it's activating you on such a deeper level that would not necessarily be the same like dating dating you're not getting activated as deeply 
And so in a way, I want to say this in a way, like the way you get activated in dating is those are opportunities for you to build emotional strength because when you get really, really intimate with somebody, you know, it's, it's, it activates you on a deeper, deeper level, right? Like when, when the, like they're starting to, when you're starting to reveal the places within yourself that nobody ever sees that like you don't even necessarily are, are even fully aware of, like, you know, things about yourself that are just coming into your awareness. And now you have to share it with someone else. It's like really vulnerable. So practice, like the vulnerability that you experience in a more shallow relationship with somebody that you're not so intimate with is actually like practice for that. Um, so going back to the question, how do you maintain emotional power whilst making a relationship work? So you do this by working with your triggers. And, and I think that's what, that's what I want everybody to, to really, um, to really start to do is whenever you get triggered, whenever you get activated, whenever you get afraid, whenever you get offended, whenever you start to judge, if you could see that as not a red flag about someone else, but it's a red flag for yourself. Okay. Now, now you may determine that that other person should stay in your life or leave, right? So there might be people that you determine like, you know, we're just not a fit. This person needs to be removed from my life. That's okay. But the red flags are always for you. They're always revealing to you something about yourself, something you need to communicate, a boundary you need to create, an unreasonable fear that you're operating from, a, a way that you're trying to control something when you need to let go and trust the outcome, right? So your, your triggers are always revealing something to you about you. And what you want to do is whether you're single or whether you're in a relationship is look at the things that trigger you. And so I'll take an example of both. Okay. Well, I'll take, I'll start with an example of being single and then an example of being in a relationship. So let's say for a single person, a single person, you might get triggered by somebody not calling or texting when they said they were going to or somebody, you know, not texting you, you, you go out, you have a great date and then you don't hear from them for a couple days afterwards. So you might get triggered by these different kinds of things as a single person. Um, as a single person, you might get triggered by, you know, somebody not calling back or somebody not texting or somebody not, you know, doing these things. Well, so that would be an opportunity when the trigger happens, say, okay, what's my fear right now? What am I afraid of? Like, and, and it would usually come down to something of like, you know, I'm afraid that I'm not enough for this person or I'm not enough for anybody. Right. So if, if I'm feeling it in relationship with this person, you've got to understand that it's psychologically being projected out to everybody for all time. This is the way projection works psychologically. Okay. So if I'm, if I'm waiting on this person to text me back and they're not texting me back and I'm starting to have anxiety about it, I'm starting to get afraid about it. I'm starting to feel rejection. I'm starting to feel like I'm not enough. I'm starting to, you know, whatever that might be. Right. So if, if that's happening for me, 
then I, I lost my train of thought again. I need to focus here. <laughs> if this is happening for me, the anxiety is coming up. Okay, what I need to do is recognize that, okay, there's a fear happening. I'm afraid that this person's not going to want me. And I'm afraid that I'm not enough for them. And it's mentally being projected out into all time for everyone, right? I'm afraid that I'm not going to be enough for anyone ever, that the same thing that's happening right now is going to happen with everyone else. And I'm I'm ultimately going to end up alone and nobody's going to want me. (laughs) Okay. That's psychologically the fear that's being played out or some version of that. Okay. What we need to do is we need to learn how to self-soothe. So what I teach people in my program, we have an inner child meditation that really supports with this. Um, But even just meditation in general really helps with this. If we can slow the anxious mind and bring it back to a calm place, I I say like you kind of got to reel it in, right? The thoughts are going crazy. The emotions are going crazy. There's a lot of energy. I'm activated. It's moving. It's, you know, all of that, right? So you got to kind of reel it in. So deep breaths, coming back to center, getting that emotional control of the situation, right? So stopping, not acting out, not acting out. And I got to text them. I got to call them. I got to do this. I got to get some kind of response from them, right? Not acting out in that, coming in instead of going out, breathing. Like breath is so important with self-soothing. You know, when when our anxiety gets high, our breath gets short. It's like, <laughs> we start to have really short breaths. We start to, it's like we, you know, we're not panting, but it's, it's the same kind of thing, right? So it's the same kind of physical response. So we've got to reel it in, bring it in, slow down our breath. When we slow down our breath, we can slow down our thinking. And if we can reel it in, if we can reel it in, breathe into it, relax. So when we breathe, if we can slow our breath, long, deep, slow breaths in and out, we can actually relax the body too. We can slow the thinking. If we can take our attention from our thoughts to our breath, right? So instead of being wrapped up in the thought, why haven't they called? What do I have to do? Maybe I should do this. Maybe I should do that. Maybe I should call a friend and then talk to the friend about it, which just activates the thoughts, which just keeps it going. If I can slow it down, bring it back, emotional center, long, deep, slow breaths. I can calm myself. I can empower myself. Okay. Now what's happening is I'm, I'm getting control of the experience. I'm becoming empowered in the experience. And then once I have soothed my anxiety, now part of this, and I'm, I'm not going to go into this today, but this is where the inner child piece of it helps, where, you know, it's not just calming the physiological stuff with calming the breath or, or, you know, yet yeah, calming the breath, calming the thoughts. But also part of this is the inner child aspect is affirming those, those fears, which are essentially childhood fears. I'm not enough. I'm never going to be enough. I'm going to be left alone. I'm going to die alone and abandoned and nobody's going to want me and I'm never going to be enough for anyone. And I'm just going to feel so empty my whole life. I'm going to feel like I never mattered, right? So the inner child aspect of this 
is as you're calming, as you're self-soothing, you're also calming those fears and soothing those fears. So you are enough. It's okay. Um, there's an inner child meditation and there are different versions of it that, um, that supports with this to, to really learn how to soothe those childhood fears. But I'm not going to go too much into that right now. But so what I want to say is our triggers, our anxieties, our fears, our doubts, our insecurities, whether they're coming up for us as a single person or in a relationship. Oh, that's what I was going to do. I was going to give an example of a relationship also. So let me give an example of a relationship. In a relationship, um, you might get insecure about maybe spending too much time apart. That could be, you know, I fear that if we get too much into our own habits, into our own routines, doing our own things, if there's too much space, if there's too much freedom in this relationship, that, that we're going to drift apart, that we're going to lose each other, right? So again, if I start letting that fear, that anxiety drive me, that starts creating active thoughts and then I start projecting that into the relationship and I start seeing everywhere that it, oh, well, we're separated here. We're separated there. We're not, and I start seeing all the ways we're not connected. And then I start feeling anxiety about where we're falling apart, right? And, and I start to create this mental framework of the relationship in which we're distancing, we're falling apart. We don't spend enough time together. We don't have enough love. We don't have enough intimacy, all this stuff. And then I start to operate from that. And that actually drives the relationship further apart, my anxiety creates more of that, right? It's like, it's difficult to connect authentically when I'm in my anxiety. So what I would need to do is I would need to same exact process I talked about as a single person, right? Self-soothe through meditation, through breath, through inner child work, through learning, because, you know, again, those same fears of we're, we're drifting apart, we're losing each other, we don't have enough intimacy, those are childhood fears, right? Just like I'm not enough, they're not going to text me back, they're not going to want me. Those are all childhood fears, right? So it's the same thing. It doesn't matter if you're single, if you're in a relationship, it's the same thing. And what you've got to do is you've got to soothe those fears, get emotional center, do the inner child aspect of it to to calm those fears and affirm that you are enough and it is okay. And, you know, like one, if the relationship is, is the right thing, then you'll find your way to each other and you can have some space and it's okay. And if it's not the right thing and you drift apart, then you're only opening up space for something that is more ideal for you. Right? So this is again, trust what we've been talking about. This is all related to the development of trust. And so from that calm, empowered place, from that calm, you know, place where I am in control of my emotions, they're not in control of me, I can then choose how I want to move forward in the relationship. And if I want some connection because I feel like we're distant, I could say, hey, babe, can we connect? Right? So there, there is, there's always the opportunity for that. There's always the opportunity for connection. There's always the opportunity to create that. There's always the opportunity to experience more of that. But I'm doing it from love. I'm doing it from, hey, I want to create connection in this relationship, not my anxiety of, we're falling apart. I need to save the relationship, 
right? So it, it all begins. Again, doesn't matter if you're single, doesn't matter if you're in a relationship. It all begins with having a healthy emotional state within yourself. That's where it starts. And from there, from there, from getting to that calm center, from having that strong emotional core. And I always talk about this. You, you, you develop a strong emotional core where you can hold difficult emotions without repressing them or being overwhelmed by them. You can hold them. You can be with them. You can process them. You can release them. And then you can make decisions about your relationship or your love life from a calm, grounded, centered place. That is the practice. That's the practice. All right, let me see. I know a few questions came in. I want to take a couple more. Next question. I struggle to get out of my own way. I need a higher power to help let go. What would you say for those of us who can't get out of our heads to trust? Okay, so this is where this is where practices are really, really important. Um, in the Inspired Love program, there are four practices that uh, I recommend for all of the students, and I'll, I'll recommend them for myself and everyone else too. Four practices, and I would say if you can do these practices every day, that is great. That is amazing. Um, you know, if you can do them often throughout the week, that is amazing. Um, I wouldn't, I would say, you know, for me personally, like I wouldn't want a week to go by without at least doing something with each of these four practices. Um, and, and honestly on, on a great day, I would do all four of them. So what are the practices? One is meditation. Meditation. I do five to seven times a week. Sometimes I take the weekends off if we're busy or, but, uh, on weekdays, work days, I definitely meditate. Um, so meditation is super powerful. Again, uh, going back to something I shared earlier about learning to direct your attention from your thoughts to your breath. That's, that's like a muscle, right? When my mind is overactive and my mind is crazy, I, I have the ability to take my attention from my thoughts to my breath. That is super, super important. Um, so that's, that's one thing. Meditation, I think, is a big one. Um, you know, part of meditation, too, is just calming the nervous system, being able to self-regulate, being able to bring my amped-up nervous system back down and feel at ease and at peace in my body. Meditation helps with both of those things. Right, So we get some control over our mind. We get some control over our emotions. We are able to regulate the body, bring it to a calm place. Um, meditation helps with all of that. I would say meditate every day. Um, reading slash listening to podcasts, listening to positive material. So if you're listening to this right now, then you're doing that. Um, but reading or listening to positive material, I, I think is just so, so, so important. And we need to go out of our ways to hand select material that is positive and helpful for us because our world is highly, highly, highly negative. 
I mean, if you watch the news, if you listen to music, if you listen to, I mean, if you watch movies, if you watch television, if you talk to your friends, if you talk to the people at work, I mean, our, our world is just so wired to the negative. And what we each need to do is go out of our way to hand select positive material that we want to listen to and spend time every day listening or reading that material. Whether it's spiritual, religious, personal development, personal, uh, like, you know, goal oriented, learning something educational, um, all those kinds of things are great, but we need to hand select this material and go out of our ways to, to use it. Um, the uh, other practice is journaling. Journaling is about getting your thoughts and feelings out of your insides and, and like out of that, like there's, it's a different process when you write it out. Um, and I have a journaling app on my phone that I can just open up and, you know, anywhere, anytime and just start journaling from my phone. So if I'm sitting in the park or anything, whatever, like I could just take five minutes, sit down and journal. You can get a lot of journaling done in five minutes, actually. Um, journaling is about, again, getting what's happening inside, outside, especially in moments of high anxiety. If you just stop what you're doing and start writing it out, notice how quickly your anxiety goes away. Um, notice how quickly you observe any absurdities in your thinking, any thoughts that are not helping you or not aimed in the right direction. Right. Notice how quickly all of this happens. So, um, yes, uh, uh, meditation, reading, listening, journaling. And the last one is physical activity, physical exercise, physical movement. Uh, I, I always like to include dancing here. Like I like to dance a little bit every day, even if I'm just, you know, mo 90% of the time, probably almost a hundred percent of the time when I'm dancing, it's just me by myself in my office. Right. But I just put on some music and start moving around. Why? Because it feels good. It gets the energy flowing. It gets the, it gets the vibration in the right state. Um, I also go to the gym on most days. You know, I hike frequently. So moving the body physically is so important. And if you did all the other three things, but you cut out the physical movement, you just wouldn't feel as good. And I say this as somebody who has done that, right? So physical movement is just essential, essential, essential. I mean, I would sometimes, and this was, I don't have time for this now. Um, but when I was, when I was single and I, I happened to have more time then I would often spend like six hours at yoga and it was great. It was community. I would do two classes back to back. They were each 90 minutes. My friends were there. I would meet lots of people there. I would often, you know, arrange dates while I was there and I would, exercise. You know, the first class was like a really pumped up intense class. The second class was like a restorative one. And like four or five nights a week, I would go to yoga for three hours, hang out with all my friends, you know, meet people, meet new people and, and practice yoga. And it was just, it, it was a great thing. So I think that, um, yes, those four practices would going back to the question, I know that was a long answer and a lot of people might've forgotten the question by now. So I'll read the question again. Question is, I struggle to get out of my own way. I need a higher power to help let go. What would you say for those of us who can't get out of our heads to trust? I would say developing the practices I just described will be very helpful for you. 
and they will help you in an intuitive way where this isn't about controlling the situation in your ego. Like I'm going to make myself trust more. What can I do right now in this moment to make myself trust more? That's how our egos want to approach things. By developing these practices on a daily basis or a weekly basis, but having these four practices be a regular part of your life, you will intuitively start to trust more. You will intuitively start to realize the places that you're not trusting and begin to trust more on in just a natural, intuitive way. Um, you know, so many of us, when we want to trust more or we want to love more or we want to be more confident or, you know, any of the things we want to be more secure, right? All these, all these things, we're often wanting something that's going to make it happen now. And I, I want to say that none of the stuff happens that way. You know, when I talk about this trust today, I, I speak about it as the development of trust. And it really is that it is the development of trust, right? So you start where you are, you develop healthy practices that help you. You, um, I, I spoken to earlier about taking baby steps, right? So what are the steps you can take right now? You know, I shared the example of, you know, the woman who had been working in the really, really toxic job for many years and couldn't imagine a life outside of it. Well, could you write a resume, right? Even if you can't even imagine sending that resume out to anyone, could you write a resume, right? Is that a baby step that you could take to just take the action of getting your focus to the place where you can put it on paper and then sending it out might seem a lot more realistic once you have it written. So you develop trust by taking baby steps. Um, I think I'm going to end with that. It's about 1.30. I'm going to, I'm going to close it out here. But I want to say, as we close out today, um, thank you so much, everybody, for joining me for the Conscious Love Show podcast. Um, thank you so much to those of you who listen in with me each week. Thanks to those of you who join me live on Instagram. Um, thanks to those of you who send in your questions on here. Uh, it's really, really great to be with you. It is a highlight of my week and I love getting on here. I want to also share um, next week for the Conscious Love Show, we are going to have a coach that I worked with, um, an amazing coach, uh, Matt Kama. Some of you may follow him on Instagram or have done one of his programs or you may know him from another place. Um, but Matt Kama, he's just an amazing, amazing guy. Um, you know, like great heart, great coach, great teacher. I've learned so much from him and I have the honor and the pleasure of having him come on and uh, speak into the podcast. So we're going to talk about um, how to get into a relationship, uh, some of the common pitfalls that, that people um, encounter in that process, right? Uh, what works, what doesn't how to do shadow work, how to, how to uh, do inner child healing, right? So um, some of these things and, and how we, you know, how we incorporate all of this on the journey of finding love. His name is Matt Kama. So he's going to be joining me on the podcast next week. Um, he won't be live on Instagram. Okay. So for those of you who join me live on Instagram each week, he will not be joining me live on Instagram, but he will be on the podcast. Um, so just quick shout out for everybody. The name of the podcast is the Conscious Love Show. 
for those of you um, who join me live on Instagram each week, and I would love for you to go find it on Apple, on Spotify, on Google. Um, Subscribe. I always ask as a personal favor to rate the podcast and leave a review. Let people know what you think of us. You know, I don't ask you to say anything but the truth, right? So just whatever's honest, I would love for people to know what they can expect from this podcast. Aaron Arlene is asking what journaling app I use. Yes, real quick. It's called... It's called Day One. It's called Day One is the journaling app. Um, that, that's a pretty cool one. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to close it out here. Uh, thanks again to everybody for being with me today. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple, on Spotify, on Google. Um, it will soon be available on all the other platforms. And I love being able to share this with you on your drive to work or you know wherever you might be able to listen to it anytime, any day. The podcast is there. Um, So thanks so much, everybody. Sending lots of love to all of you. And I will see you back here next Tuesday for the Conscious Love Show and next Thursday as we launch the next podcast. All right. Goodbye, everybody. Take care. Many blessings. Bye-bye. Thanks again for checking out the show. Please subscribe on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on the most. And I would love it so much if you leave a review and tell people what you think of us. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at The Living Relationship to connect more closely. And I'm grateful to be supporting you on your journey to love.